Okay, but there's one other thing we need to discuss here. And what? again, ooh, you writers, we didn't see what happened to Gemma after that EMP went off. Yes. And this theory, as we mentioned last week, has been floating around that maybe... She's an LMD, yeah. Yeah. And they I swear to God, they did it on purpose. And even in the promo, they didn't show her in the next episode. No, they did not. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams Assemble. Oh, somebody's got energy today. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, this episode was fantastic. Oh my God. It was even better than the premiere. Yeah, I am loving this season so far. There were a couple times I had to, I was watching this on Amazon. I had to stop playback because I was laughing so hard. (laughs) Let me guess. Moist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Just pure gold. Yeah. Clark Gregg was fabulous this episode. Oh, they were having, and you could tell they were having so much fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, my dogs were freaked out because they're like, Ma, Ma, are you in trouble? Ma, distress, what's going on? Should I get Timmy from the well? It's like, guys, I'm doubled over in laughter, not pain. It's okay. (laughs) So yeah, this episode, written mostly by two women, and it showed. These women should do more episodes. Oh, this was their last one. Man, just, just claps all the way. So we start off in Area 51, which I always forget is in Nevada, in the middle of the desert. (laughs) I only know Area 51 through all the pop culture stuff. Yeah, and I think that's how most people are familiar with it. I mean, anybody who watched the X-Files, such as myself, is very familiar with it. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Just in in terms of its mythos and lore. Mm. Can you imagine... Um, how the people who actually work at Area 51 must be feeding about this stuff. All I know is that I was half expecting to see Fox Mulder get his hands on a time machine and show up in this episode. (laughs) If anybody had the will and desire to figure out time travel to go back to Area 51 in the 50s, it would be Mulder. Okay. Yeah, so the team has a little trouble landing because they realize, oh shit, we probably should be flying uh, when we time jump. (laughs) That would be helpful. They were kind of heartbroken about Enoch. Come on, cut them some slack. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they, you know, they were trying to get him in there, but uh, they figure out where they are because Gemma, or when they are, because Gemma turns on the radio. Okay, wait, hold on. That was not a radio. That was a walkie-talkie last episode. Last episode, they were using it as a walkie-talkie. This episode, it's suddenly a radio. I don't know how that works. Maybe. I don't know either. (laughs) The fuck do we know about it? (laughs) (laughs) We need an engineer on the show. Seriously. If anyone is an engineer, please tell us, do do walkie-talkies work on the same wavelength as the radio? Yes, and please talk to us like we're five. Thank you. For me, ten. (laughs) So there's that bit about, uh, oh, like Next Up or something like that, a Perry Como song. It made me think of that old bit from Animaniacs back in the day when they... (laughs) That's how I know who Perry Como is from Animaniacs in like 1992 when they did an episode calling him Perry Como where he put an entire country to sleep with his singing. I have no clue who you're talking about. I figured as much. What did you think about those opening credits? Oh, I loved it. That especially with the whole alien thing was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. Just take it back to those old terrible sci-fi B-movies of, of the 50s. It was great. Yeah, I like that. So the whole crux of this episode is that more chronic comms are infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D. and the team has no idea who they might be replicating at this point. Yeah, so this time the Chronicoms target is not past S.H.I.E.L.D., it's the current S.H.I.E.L.D. So once they know they're in 1955, I started bouncing on my couch I'm like, oh my God, it's 1955. You know who else is in 1955? Marty McFly's in 1955. Doc Brown's in 1955. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Can we please make this happen? And I'm telling you, it's not It's not just because of my biases. It's not because of my love for Marvel. Tom Holland 
needs to be Marty McFly. Tom Holland has always reminded me so much of Michael J. Fox since Spider-Man Homecoming. He needs to be in that fucking red vest wearing Calvin Klein's and he needs to be Marty McFly for even 30 seconds. Make my day, people, please. We, We all need this right now. Why not just use Michael J. Fox? He's in his 60s and extremely sick and doesn't act anymore. Not that way. You reuse some of the old footage. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't even know if a radio can be a walkie-talkie. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But I do know, like, they're th- like the deep fake kind of stuff. You know? Maybe. I don't know. I'd I'd prefer Tom Holland show up. I think that'd be f- f- hilarious. Well, it wouldn't be possible. They could use someone else. Ruining my fun. Ruining it. <laughs> As always, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only person thinking that. I feel like they had to have chosen 1955 for a reason and not 1954 or 1956. Like, come on. Maybe next episode. Oh, don't get my hopes up. <laughs> or maybe they referenced the movie in some way. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, Colson with his, his encyclopedia brain of pop culture. That may happen. Uh, considering how he was down for the count at the end of the episode. Oh, we'll get there. We'll fucking get there. Mm. Hanging on by a thread here. <laughs> uh, so at this point, too, once we realize we're in 1955, Gemma explains to everybody that, oh, we actually have no choice but to follow the Chronicoms because we're low on energy and we're basically just drafting behind them. Yeah. So they have no control what, over what time period they end up in. And <laughs> tidbit here, they can only go forward from now on. Yeah, because the monolith would need more energy to go backwards. Is that how they went back in time in the first place? I would presume so. Okay, because I'm kind of wondering, well, then how the hell did you get so far back to the past to begin with? Enoch helped them out, right? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's entirely possible. I just missed something that is likely, but I thought it was kind of just left hanging there a little bit. Yeah, they left it hanging there on purpose, I think, because they will end up having a flashback. Because, see, in uh, in the previous season, we end off with Fitzsimmons, where Enoch is telling them, you need to change the natural course of your life. And then, boom, 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 they end up coming back into the present day when May is dying and all of that. We don't see any of that that happened. And how did they go into the future? How did they make the time machine? What happened? We don't see any of that. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, I think that is going to come in this season somewhere as a flashback when we meet Fitz. Yes, it'll be absolutely crucial. Wherever he is, he is holding so many goddamn secrets and it's making me nervous. (laughs) what if the season ends and there's no fits okay just stop talking nonsense and enough with your wishes wishful thinking i'll give you wishful thinking and a boot up your ass (laughs) the writers just leave that thread hanging there along with a dozen other threads that we don't have any answers to yet yeah have we lost count as to the number of questions we have yeah i think so because they're just piling on top of each other at this point yeah, we're forgetting our questions as well. Yeah. I know I am. Yeah. Um, honestly, we should have one of those serial killer whiteboards at this point with strings and pins. Yeah, I think that is a necessity for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. any yeah. season. This needed to happen. Like, absolutely, Mac needed to scold Daisy for the Freddie Malik bullshit she pulled. But I felt like that was not nearly enough. She definitely needed more of a talking to than that. So I hope that thread gets explored a little bit more and there's more tension between them going forward. I think, yes, they definitely will be addressing this further and there will be more friction between Mac and Daisy going on because we know that in the comics, Daisy is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. So there is a little bit of an expectation that by the end of the season, Daisy may become the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I feel like at this point, Daisy's getting a little too big for her britches or whatever the hell kind of underwear women wore in 1955. I don't know. (laughs) So Coulson and co. realize that they better get their asses over to Area 51 because the Chronicoms have definitely infiltrated the base. Yes, for the Helios project. 
Yeah. So they put together a little plan because at first I'm like, what the hell are they just chilling at this diner for? Like, you guys have shit to do. You are on <laughs> a clock. Yeah, I was thinking it's nice of them to go all take a break in the midst of all of this nonsense and just go have a meal at a diner. And you know what? I also I appreciated the shitty crinkle cut fries. Okay. They were pretty shitty looking. And that's exactly what you would get in that kind of establishment in Nevada in 1955. Okay. They really got every detail down. I have to say, going to a diner is something that's on my bucket list. A real diner. See, that's why you're going to have to go to Jersey with me someday. Okay, it's a date. There's a lot to unpack here in this diner scene. First of all, this set looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the diner, fabulous. Yeah, like, I don't know who put this, who the set designer was, where they found all this stuff, but man, it was really like a time capsule. Yeah, it was really good. And everybody was dressed perfectly, too. I'm here for those suspenders. Who, ah, Colson's, Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. I'm on board for the suspenders. (laughs) I think you're on board for him for anything. I really am. More, (laughs) more, yeah, it's, yeah. Okay, so are Mac and Yo-Yo back together? They seem to be working it out, seem to be working things through. Yeah, and we have the hand gag again, which I enjoyed. Yeah. So yeah, so sitting at the start of here, we got Colson and Daisy having a chat. We've got Mac and Yo-Yo. I got confused over here. Why do we need two teams? Well, shit has a habit of hitting the fan. You've got to have lookouts. You've got to have people dragging this guy to the car. Like, you need enough hands on deck to manage the situation if something should go awry. Yeah, so how wouldn't the cops be called if a black guy and a Latina woman are dragging out a white guy out of a diner? Well, that's why you have Colson and Daisy there. It's 1955. A white guy can say anything and get away with it. Okay. And that's part of the point. So while Mac and Yo-Yo are chilling in their booth, just, you know, trying to sort out their feelings, this lovely waitress comes over and plops a plate of fries in front of Mac, gives him the stink eye, because she's clearly not thrilled to have a black man patronizing her little establishment here. I give Mac a lot of credit here. He's a better person than I am. Um, He's a responsible director in this moment. Regardless of what he may want to say to that woman after experiencing that ridiculous bigotry, he knows he needs to put the mission first and just lets it go to ensure, you know, the motto that they've been saying all season, ripples, not waves. Yeah. And like you said, it was a choice that he had to make. It makes my it makes me wonder how many other times that he's had to make this choice. Yeah. Just keep quiet and look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, and we saw the same thing happen in the previous episodes that took place in 1931. He had to deal with the same thing. Yeah, not to the same degree, but sure, yeah, he did. Yes. Uh, 1955, racial tensions were a lot higher than they were in 1931, for sure. This is like the belly of the beast for him. Right. I can't imagine what Mac would be feeling in that moment. A mixture of anger and fear and... Disgust, probably discussed and who knows maybe even maybe even a little hope in that moment because he knows what's to come so maybe some happy mixed in there like remember how he fanboyed too over fdr yeah yeah true so such a complicated mix of emotions in there i would love to hear from henry simmons and and find out what his process was in this scene and how he felt yeah absolutely and also how much of an input did he have into the dialogue yeah you're right so we all love Colson, and yeah. which is why we can forgive him a little bit for this. But I'm so glad the writers pointed this out. It's a wonderful example of show don't tell, and it's throughout this episode. We see Colson fanboying for 1955 and all the wonder of it. He sees this as this age of innovation and discovery, and that is because he is a white male. Yeah, he definitely does not perceive this time the way everyone else does even though they are all in the same place at the same time each character has a very different reality true and i also think that where colson is coming from is in terms of history and technology and all of that but the racial stuff the discrimination none of that is actually ever mentioned in the history books or anything like that Mm -hmm. depends on which state you live in a lot of the time 
okay, I actually was surprised to see all of them sitting in the same diner. You know what I mean? Here's what I'm thinking that what they might have done to cover is that the four of them might have come in together with Coulson like showing himself to be the leader of the group in some way so that they wouldn't want to fight with the white dude, you know? Okay. That that's what I'm figuring. Because there's a lot of that in this episode. Yes, yeah, so, but then there's like one white guy and three colored people. I assume during this that Daisy's passing for fully white. But she doesn't. Not all the time. Nobody says anything to her racially. True. I think people assume her to be white, Anglo some way. Okay. All right. So yeah, I think showing that, having, you know, seeing that through Coulson's eyes, it shows like, of course, Coulson is not a bad guy, but he has the luxury as a white man of just not having to give a whole lot of thought to discrimination in the age that he's in. It's not something that he's ever had to worry about, ever had to think about, but it's something that has to be, unfortunately, a driving factor in Max's life. It would be easy for Colson, a white guy, to not realize or to just completely forget or not even think about any of the civil rights aspects of that, that period. So after a few minutes, what Colson refers to as their mark walks in the door. Now, as soon as I saw this guy, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> He always, always plays a douche. Yes. I think there is something about him that just says douche. He's probably a really nice guy. Probably. He's so badly typecast. Yeah. And at this point, I'm pretty sure like he must be legally prohibited from playing a likable character. <laughs> I'm like, nope, you killed Beckett's mom and you fuck with Mar- Marishka Hargitay all the time. Nope. We hate you. <laughs> I think even if he does try to play a nice guy, people will always assume that there is something fishy going on and they're waiting for him to be the douche. Which is why he can't play a nice guy, because it'll fuck with the plot. Yeah. So uh, Daisy drugs the coffee creamer in so nicely, le- you know, lets him share it. Uh, <laughs> I really like the way she was playing that. That really showed her spy skills. Yeah, she's really good at playing dumb. Her acting skills have come a long way. Yep. So we don't see it, but somehow they get this goon back to the ship for an interrogation. And it's time to put together a plan for infiltrating Area 51. Yeah. And the best that they could come up with was Peggy Carter. Amy, how? Tell me how. As soon as this happened, I facepalmed so hard. This was staring us in the face for so long. How did we not see this coming? See what coming? Gemma impersonating Peggy. It was absolutely perfect. And in hindsight, so fucking obvious it made my head hurt. I'm actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. I feel like they just duped us all and we should have seen this coming for miles. Why? Because it was so, like, seeing it afterward, I'm like, oh my god, this is so obvious. Like, there's a decent enough resemblance. She's also British. She fangirled over Peggy Carter in the past. We're gonna have Daniel Sousa. We're at Area 51. (laughs) Okay, the Daniel Sousa thing, all of that. that. First off, there is no resemblance between Gemma Simmons and Peggy Carter. But here's the thing. This is before people knew what strangers look like there's no internet there's enough of a resemblance they're both pale white brunettes with british accents about the same size but they have photographs it's 1955 things don't circulate the way they do now i think they're taking it a bit too far with that okay you know what i need to go get an umbrella because you are raining so hard on my parade right now No, but like, how could you not know what your boss looks like? It's 1955. That is not a catch-all be-all for any kind of crap. Amy, she's a woman. No man is going to pay enough attention to keep an image of Peggy Carter in his mind to know what she looks like on the off chance she might visit. Okay, I am glad you went there because... 
men being men will not be looking at her face. They'd be looking at her boobs. And let's be honest, Hayley Atwell, she distracts me. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yes, Elizabeth Henstridge does not. So any guy would be looking a couple of inches lower would know that is not Peggy Carter. Oh my God. You are overthinking this so hard. Maybe, but come on, you have to know what your boss looks like. Amy, Amy, he's never met her and they only take headshots for things. You are overthinking this. It's 1955. Yeah, but you have a headshot. Peggy Carter's a fucking legend. But you've also got to understand, to them, old dames look the same. What's one brunette next to another brunette? She's got a British accent. She's got the right credentials. There's a passing enough resemblance. Bitch. A lot of them, pro- a lot of them, probably don't take her seriously to begin with. That's a possibility. Yes. So quit overthinking it. You're you're thinking about this with 2020 eyes. Maybe. Can I put my umbrella away now? Are you done? You should keep it on standby. You know what? No, I am not convinced. Listeners, please help us out. Am I overthinking this, or is she just? getting too excited about over the everything overthinking is your part-time job yes thank you so please you know someone come on defend me here so we have Gemma is uh impersonating peggy and we have colson impersonating uh gerald sharp who is now tied up on the ship i th- oh my god this was such a great team up between colson and Gemma. i had no idea how badly we all needed this yeah, they were really good together. <laughs> yeah, the way they were fanboying and fangirling over all the low-tech uh, gadgets in there was great. Yeah, but I was not a fan of Gemma's costume this this episode. You know, she actually reminded me a little bit also of Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. With the outfit, the hat, and mm. everything. And she's got a similar face. She's got those doe eyes and, like, the porcelain skin. Yeah. Yeah, true. And let's be honest again, Peggy Carter would not dress like that. They don't know that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Write an essay, why don't you? (laughs) God. Yeah, I'm sure the guard at the gate really had the contents of of Peggy Carter's closet and was cross-checking it without Gemma's outfit. Hey, I have seen the show... I know what she dresses like. And of course, you've seen the bloody movies. Well, you know what? The guard at the gate didn't see the movie, Amy. So he doesn't know any better. He lived through it. But Amy, he saw what they wanted him to see. What a man would expect to see of a woman at the time. Boobs. Moving forward, we have two of the best interrogation scenes that I have ever witnessed on television. Oh, <laughs> so we'll we'll start with uh, Mr. Sharp, and I knew right away. It's like, uh, uh-uh, this guy isn't going to be any kind of paper pusher, no. Uh, and what we get is basically the 1955 version of Glenn Talbot. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, with his commie bullshit stuff going on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, before they sat him down in that chair, they probably had to pull out one of those little American flags on a stick out of his ass. (laughs) They probably missed a couple in there. Yeah. So, you know, right away, he's just like, you're not going to get anything out of me. Red, white, and blue. Marga. Yeah. And everyone's a fucking commie. Everyone's a pinko, a commie. What's a pinko? Um, It's just a slang for a communist. Oh, okay. And... He's got nothing nice to say about you if you are not also an overfed white male. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So when he says to Mac and Yo-Yo simultaneously, good thing you got your boy to keep you in line. Yeah. In my head, I I thought, gee, I wonder who should even be more offended by that statement. That was a real two-for-one job. Well, he likes to really bring it in, you know? Just insult anything and everything that moves. 
that isn't white. But it's second nature. It's not like he's doing it intentionally. Yeah, that's just who he is. It's who he is and how he speaks. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, and how he thinks. Mm. Uh, Because on the one hand, we've got racism and misogyny in one sentence there. And I was also just blown away at the combination here of stupidity, arrogance, and outright insanity of saying that to a black man who's what, like six foot six? (laughs) Who's a fucking mountain? And you are tied up at his mercy. Well, he thinks that his Americanism will save him. And even (sighs) if he does get beat up, it's proving his point. And the thing is, he's not really a caricature. They existed in 1955. They exist today. Yeah. And that's the hardest part to swallow, you know? Hmm. And this is another instance where I would love to know, I would love to hear from Natalia Cordova how it felt when he looked at her and bared those teeth in a disgusting smile and called her mamacita. Well, yeah, I mean, it it would be interesting to know. But I'm sure between the the cast, they must have had a conversation and just sort of been cool with it. Yeah, like, I, sorry I have to do this kind of deal. Yeah. I I mean, again, the restraint here is admirable. But I think for for Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo definitely reacted in such a way as, this guy is such a moron, he doesn't even deserve my time or attention to what he's saying. Yeah, like, it's... He's beneath her. Yes. With his his ridiculousness. Yes. And it does take a lot of self-confidence to react in that manner. And that just shows, again, Yo-Yo has always been a woman who knows her mind, knows her heart, her worth. She knows who she is. She's secure in herself and knows that this guy is just uh, a flea that she needs to flick off her shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And they know that they wouldn't be dealing with this kind of nonsense if they didn't need something out of him. Exactly. They just need to get through the bullshit to get the information they need. So we take a little break from the sharp interrogation and we head back over to Area 51 where Gemma and Coulson have the task of interrogating a bunch of scientists to find out who the Chronicoms have taken over. Yeah. I appreciated this so much as the wife of a cyber nerd who has been around this ilk before. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we could all be considered chronicoms at some point or the other. The casting was so perfect for these dudes. (laughs) And I love calls. We just have to elicit an emotional response. (laughs) And the best that they could come up with which truly was absolutely fantastic, was moist. (laughs) How does it feel? How does it make you feel when I say the word moist? Moist. Moist. (laughs) Colson and Gemma pull out some other great pop culture type gags with insulting John Wayne in 1955, always a great ploy. Mm -hmm. America cares. (laughs) Gemma did a little Casablanca. Yeah. And just a lot of good stuff, funny stuff. Yeah. And they they worked, they played off each other and worked together so well. Yeah. They must have had so much fun during this scene. I want to know how many ta- how many takes the moist scene took. <laughs> Cuz there's no there's no way it was less than 10. Yeah, they must have broken so many times. Yeah, there had to be tears. <laughs> Moist tears? Yeah. <laughs> As this is going on, uh-oh, Agent Daniel Souza pulls up outside to come meet with the science team. And yeah. uh-oh. I was so happy to see him. And boy, did they use him perfectly. What a great yeah. setup. Yeah. I haven't even watched Agent Carter yet, and even I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Busted. Uh, so Mac Mac already addressed Daisy's insubordination. Yeah, uh, her insubordination regarding uh, the whole Freddie Malik debacle. So now 
it's time for Deke to address this. And this scene made me happy, proud, and pissed at the same time. Why so? Happy because this needed to be said. Daisy needed to hear this. Yeah, absolutely. Proud because good for you, Deke, for calling her out on this because that was a really shitty thing she did to you. Correct. And pissed because God damn it, if I'm not softening on Deke and starting to like him a little bit. <laughs> damn you writers. Uh, I had a feeling. I had a feeling this was about that. God. <laughs> yeah. This conversation was perfect. Absolutely perfect. The way they did it. And I'm so glad that Deke was able to stand up to Daisy. And he's no longer just the comic relief, the punchline. Deke is in love with Daisy. Yeah. He's no longer the lovesick puppy either. I think he's cooling on her. Yeah. I mean, after this, anyone would, right? Yeah. And two, she really, at least for me, came off as a spoiled teenager in this conversation. I outrank you. Yeah. Like the way she delivered that line. I'm like, who do you think you are? I don't think it's that because she does have a point over there. I mean, she is far more experienced. Yeah. But here's the thing. That's how it came across. That's how it came across to me. But Deke isn't like the rest of them. Deke just kind of got deputized into this whole thing. He didn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter. Well, yeah, and she was kind of in the same boat back in season one, right? She was she was brought in. She had no formal training. If anything, it make, if anything, it makes her look worse. Uh, he is where she was way back when. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it's an exact one-to-one situation, but he is pretty much as inexperienced as she was, maybe even... Yeah. Um, less so because he has had to make difficult calls back in the lighthouse, which they do allude to. Yeah. Um, So Daisy's trying to make her case with him saying, hey, like, we could have saved thousands of lives. He's like, don't you know, he's going to be like the grand wizard of Hydra. Yeah. Now there I was like, okay, what's the big deal about grand wizard? Yes, we had a little conversation about this yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I had to be like, whoa there, partner, pump the brakes. Because <laughs> what did you, what did, yeah, what did you think this was about? I thought that the Grand Wizard kind of, it immediately brought to mind like magic and Dungeons and Dragons and like Harry Potter kind of stuff, like Dumbledore. <laughs> um. Okay, so... Actually, at this point in time, I don't even know which is touchier to bring up. Harry Potter, thanks a lot, J.K. Rowling, you crazy batshit nut. Um, <laughs> or, come on, Krista, you're supposed to be trying harder and trying to not be so judgmental. I'm trying, conscience, but it's difficult. Um, yeah, so we, we had a little conversation where I explained to you that the Grand Wizard is the title or was the original title for the head of the KKK. Okay, I had no clue about this old Grand Wizard thing. And I was actually at that point before I knew about this old KKK thing. I was with Deke, like, that sounds cool. I mean, I know Freddy is a bad guy and whatnot, but that sounds cool. You are totally Deke in this conversation, yes. And I am yeah. Daisy Go. I am Daisy Go. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Normally, I'm the one going, no, 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 no. And you're like, ah, this is true. Yeah. So we we got that straightened out. Thank God for that. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I think they use Deke so perfectly as a conduit for these racial discussions because he's innocent. Yeah. Even though he's white, he is innocent in this because he has no context for it. He did not grow up in this same environment. He has no clue. Yeah, and where he grew up, your color didn't matter. What mattered was surviving right? getting through the next day. Right. I'm sure they had their own hierarchy, their own type of caste system. Humans always put themselves into groups and who's better and whatnot. But oh, sure. he, he's completely ignorant, not in a bad way, of all this stuff. He, he's like a newborn baby. Yeah, he kind of has that innocence. Yes, he does. So we head back over to Area 51. And I love this part where... All of a sudden, it's like Susan's shoulders go back. Like, oh, oh, Peggy, you say <laughs> Peggy's here. Allow yeah. me to allow me to check my quaff in the window over here. <laughs> yeah, because they were a thing. 
Yeah, I know. And I think apparently a lot of people are upset right now because this uh, episode showed that they are a thing no more in this timeline and universe. Yeah. Yeah, I do hope that they address it and give us some kind of explanation. Hopefully, if Carter herself shows up, that would be nice. We'll see. Anything's possible at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He plays Gemma like a fiddle. (laughs) It is great. Her reaction once she realizes she's caught, she's like a kid with a hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. You're going to arrest me now. <laughs> I'm just thinking that you're probably thinking he took one look at her chest. He was like, nope, not Peggy. See, now, in the, I did not bring this up, okay? This time? Frankly, I don't know why it took him so long. Like, even just hearing her voice, he would know that is not Agent Carter. He knew right away. No, at the, he knew when she turned around. He heard her voice before that while she was talking to that guy. And- well, remember, the mind, the mind does play tricks. He was told Peggy's here. That's what he's thinking. It's, it's kind of like when you reach for um, when you're expecting to drink like a glass of milk and you reach for orange juice instead. And it tastes funny because you were expecting milk. The, the brain plays tricks like that. So it only took him like a second or two. OK, fair enough. But add to that, it's possible he didn't have the best blood flow in his brain at that moment. That is true. Yes, I could understand that. <laughs> of course you could. <laughs> now I think my sp- gay is showing a bit too much. <laughs> now you're sympathetic. <laughs> you, have, you have sympathetic reactions to all the wrong people for all the wrong reasons. Talk about me. I'm just going to leave this here. Ada, uh-huh. Ada, Ada. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> You've got no leg to stand on when you criticize me for that, Missy. Yeah, that's right. Si- crickets. Crickets. You know, <laughs> you know, today I was working on the ladies appreciation images, which is coming out on social media pretty soon. When I was doing Ada, a.k.a. Mallory Jensen's images i was looking for images and all of that i was totally fine looking for as many images as possible i I took my time (laughs) i'm gonna open the folder tomorrow there's just gonna be one extra image in there tomorrow for ladies appreciation it's just gonna be peggy carter's chest you're like oh god (laughs) amy got drunk okay Okay, soon after we finish agents of shield we are going to be resuming the mcu and Stay tuned for my rant coming up in Captain America. I have things to say. We have unique, separate hormonal issues for for Captain America. That's going to be an episode for the books. Yeah, stick around. So while while Gemma's busy being arrested by Sousa, Coulson (laughs) is... Torturing a poor little lady. (laughs) Oh my god. I desperately (laughs) wish they had used the same old lady from Captain Marvel. The one she punches in the face. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How amazing would that have been? Yeah, well, she was a scroll. Yeah, but it would have been that much funnier if this one, if she was just an old lady. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) That was great, though. What kind kind of a person do you think I am? Yeah. She did a very good job. She did a very good job. Yeah. Poor Coulson. (laughs) Did you ever think you'd see Phil Coulson make an old lady cry? (laughs) <laughs> it's like no but he did it so convincingly i bought it he did <laughs> oh man yeah so uh Sousa interrupts the party uh arrest that man for the bystanders they probably would have thought that Sousa is arresting colson because he made the little old lady cry um i doubt it they're at area 51 yeah i mean no it was just cut in that way like she starts crying and Sousa comes in arrest that guy well <laughs> Maybe. Um, but Coulson, I love it. Coulson just can't help himself here. Wow. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll be arrested by him. That's fine. Another thing off my bucket list. Yes. Yes. His L- Oh my God. His time travel bucket list. Yeah. You know, as they're walking back, as he's in handcuffs, walking back to the cell. Do you think I could get an autograph later? <laughs> I don't have my I don't have my shield trading cards with me, but I'm sure we can find something. Yeah. <laughs> While Sousa's dealing with them, 
we have the rest of the team still back on the Zephyr trying to get information out of this moron sharp. Yeah. Nice juxtaposition of his name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I feel like he's lucky to be alive after calling May Oriental. Yeah. That. Yes. So um, this was an interesting moment for me here. Depending on the environments we were raised in, we are all more or less sensitive to different things. And it struck me throughout this episode, certain things hit me harder in the gut than others. And this was one of those moments that didn't hit as hard for me and not for a good reason. And it's not something I could control. But to me, in my mind, because of the family and environment I was raised in, there's like a sliding scale in my mind of racism and what's and one thing being worse than the other. So because my grandparents and parents threw around the word oriental very casually when I was a kid, I didn't even know it was a slur until I got older. For me, it was like a hierarchy. Oh, this one isn't nearly as bad as being, you know, a black man being called boy. But that's certainly not the case for someone of Asian descent you know what you know what I'm saying? That we we all see it and perceive it differently, and we all have different sensitivities, and we all experience it differently. Yeah, of course. Um, like I knew, like okay, I didn't know about the boy thing. Um, I kind of knew about Mamacita because I have heard it in various other shows and things like that. But the moment I knew that May is going to be with sharp i knew the term oriental would come up i would have loved to have seen may's reaction when that guy actually would have called an oriental yeah well they had to pull her off yo-yo said she had to pull her off him yeah i would have loved to have seen that it's clear to mac that him and may and yo-yo are getting absolutely nowhere with this idiot and that's when a light bulb kind of goes off in mac's head and they all look at Deke. <laughs> He's like, come on, man. Don't make me say it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Deke. His reaction was perfect. Yes. That was, that was great. Is yeah. It, yeah. Is it be, because cause of this? It's like they never, <laughs> it's again, the show don't tell. Yeah. And Deke, uh, Jeff Ward has played it so well. Yes. Yeah. I have to give him a lot of credit. He mm. he really is fantastic. I'm sorry that I, I haven't. I, he's making me sorry that I couldn't like Deke before. That's how good of a job he's doing. <laughs> he's making me feel guilty. Okay, that's good. Maybe now you shouldn't judge people so harshly in the future. Well, no, I had every reason not to like Deke. But the point is the writers are doing such a great job with his character arc. And he is playing the part so well that I can't help it. Yeah, which probably means that he was doing his job as well earlier. Yeah, yes, he was. Yes, he was. And, you know, I can't blame him for being pissed in this moment. He has yeah. every right. He has every right to be pissed. Yeah, he he does. And I love the thing that he just goes while he's walking away. He just says stupid white privilege. Yeah, nobody else could get away with that. Hmm. But because he doesn't have that social context because he hasn't been indoctrinated in the world we live in he can absolutely get away with it and he should because he's pure of it yeah he is kind of like the outsider looking in yes and and also showing us a lot about ourselves in the process true yeah and it's it's kind of showing us how ridiculous we are as people and how we judge people so quickly it's it's holding a mirror to us very well said Yes, I agree. And, you know, it's a good thing it works, but it's also unfortunate because it proves the point. Deke is able to get the information they need from Sharp, which is that the Helios project actually doesn't work. Yeah, true. And th this helps them figure out what the Chronicoms are actually trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're what they're planning to do is basically send one of the Chronicoms on a suicide mission, they're going to fix the machine itself so that the project, so that the Helios project works. And with the intention, we assume, is to destroy the Zephyr. Right. 
so that the team can follow them and they'll be free to move forward in time on their own and not have to worry about S.H.I.E.L.D. in the future because they're stuck in the past. I got it! No, they're dead. Oh, damn it! (laughs) Oh, right, they were going to kill them along. They were going to kill them too. Right, right, right. They're bad guys, Krista. They kill people. It's what they do. Once they figure this out and know what the Chronicoms are up to, Max sends Daisy in. And I got to say, as much as I am definitely not on board with Daisy, despite the problems I have with Daisy in this episode, she plays the CIA gambit perfectly. Yeah. She didn't have much to do this episode, but what she did, she played it very well. Yes. She's able to trick Sousa into believing that she's CIA. She she successfully bluffs her way through the conversation. In, in all the other episodes, we end up seeing a quake, you know, and how badass she is. But in this episode, we see her being a spy. Yes. And that was a breath of fresh air. Yes. Yes. This was definitely a heavy spy episode. And I absolutely loved it. This is what we needed this season. Yeah. Yeah. It is really going back to their roots for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <gasps> love when when Sousa when Sousa goes over to open the cell and he tells Daisy oh yeah she thinks she's yeah. Peggy Carter she's got the worst fake accent I've ever heard it's like you should tell her that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and even still even when they're locking Sousa back into that cell Coulson still can't help himself I really am a fan <laughs> <laughs> and the one bit that I caught on was that for the most part, Agent Sousa, even in, in Agent Carter, the show, he is very progressive, okay? But here, there's this one line where he tells Daisy that step back, they can be jumpy. Like, she can't take care of herself. He doesn't know what she is, who she is. Right. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. You would have to be progressive. You would have to be a progressive man at that time to be both loved and respected by Peggy Carter. Yeah, so he is a progressive guy, but in that moment, you can still see that he still has that. He needs to take care of this woman. Yeah, and that would be a natural inclination at that time. Yep. Hmm. When he has no idea that Daisy could kill him in three seconds. She wouldn't even need three seconds. Probably probably not. (laughs) Uh, So while all that's going on, we have Yo-Yo and May. So Yo-Yo and May are on the way to the lab to smoke out, essentially. The Chronicom. I love this scene. Yeah. How awesome did they look in those fucking bomber jackets? Just oh, swag- fantastic. swaggering through that hallway. Oh, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. We need to see more of them like that. We absolutely need it next episode. Like the way they're discussing, you know, the historical the historical role of women in the Second World War. I'm sitting there going, oh, God. We need an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover reboot something with a league of their own. Please. <laughs> Please, I need more. Mm. You know, I I also have to say, I have to be a girl for a second here. I loved May's hair. Oh, I was on the other side of the spectrum. I did not like her hair. Really? Yeah. It was so voluminous. It was, which is why, as a fighter pilot, she should have it tied up. I totally thought the same thing. I remember, like... We've had conversations about this before. I absolutely agreed. I think this was our conversation in Iron Man 2. Correct. With Widow. Black Widow, yes. Yes. But at the same time, I was like, oh, God, it's so bouncy. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so Yo-Yo and May throw on some gas masks. And the idea is that whoever the Chronicoms are, they won't be sickened and react to the gas. Right. Yes. So they are systematically getting everyone out who is having a reaction to the gas. And in the midst of all of this, May has a panic attack. Yeah, and I'm glad you had said that because that was exactly what it looked like to me too. Yeah, I was hoping I wasn't the only one. Yeah, so I think we have our answer now as to what's going on with May. And that answer is severe post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, and you know, when I realized that, a part of me was disappointed and a part of me felt bad that I was disappointed. Yes, I understand exactly what you mean. Because like part of us, given that we're fans of the show, wanted something deeper and maybe paranormal and some kind of big twist. Yeah, some wacky thing because that's what they do. Right. But I'm also really glad that they did this because 
This needs to be addressed. True. In fact, I'm surprised that how is it that the rest of the team does not have severe PTSD by now? Exactly. And how is it only manifesting in May now? Yeah, after everything that she's been through. We saw in flashbacks with Garner, like she had serious emotional trauma after Bahrain. We saw that, but she was able to work through it. But it took dying and going into the ghost dimension for the PTSD to take such a stronghold and be at such a severe point. Yeah. This panic attack, this trauma, I think what we're being told right now, this isn't something that can be glossed over. This isn't going to something that can be fixed with just a quick pat on the back conversation with Mac or Colson, Daisy, whoever. This is going to take real work, real emotional work for May to deal with. Yeah, I am actually looking forward to see how they deal with this. Yes. And you know what? I have confidence in these writers because they are handling the sexism and racism so deftly that I have faith that they will handle trauma and mental health just as well. I hope so. And it is something that, well, let's be honest, in a lot of shows, so many people go through so much stuff, like just take a show and ridiculous stuff is happening all over but the mental health consequences of it don't last beyond a couple of episodes till it's not till it's inconvenient for the plot yes and to their credit they've dealt with this with may before a lot of season one especially with all the bahrain stuff the cavalry and why is may so subdued why why is may the way she is so they have dealt with this before and certainly with colson too yes but this is another level yes yeah, they need they're going to they're going to dig deeper. Yeah, this is deeper. We've never seen anyone experience something like a panic attack on the show. It's a very human reaction for somebody who's been treated like a superhero. And I think what it also goes to show is that even the strongest people, perhaps especially the strongest people, have to tend to their mental health. Yes. That it's just as important. She, you know, May does so much physical training. The mental training is just as important. Yes. And they kind of addressed this at one point. When Daisy got her powers, she was having trouble focusing and being able to control her powers. This this was before she met Gordon. She was training with May and May spoke to her about compartmentalizing. So they do speak about May's mental health. They've kind of glossed over it over over the years. Mm -hmm. But this year, I think they will focus on it, and they should. Yes, and serious props to Ming-Na Wen. Fantastic performance. Yeah, very real, very guttural, like you could feel it. Yes, that is not an easy thing to perform if you have not experienced it personally. And I don't know, maybe she has, and maybe she was able to draw on that experience. Maybe. This also begs the question, is Yo-Yo suffering from the same issue? Yes, that got me wondering too, because she froze. She froze. We saw that blur. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Maybe froze isn't the right, right word. I don't know if she's frozen or if something is physically holding her back. Yeah, could be either way. Yeah, but she's definitely, the power is still in there. Yeah, but she's not being able to move. Right, right. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it has got to do with, again, with mental health and PTSD. Yeah, I mean, the woman had her hands chopped off by a a psychopathic teenager. It's a lot. Oh, and she died, and she had a parasite inside of her, and she was tortured in a time loop. I think she's earned some rest. I think all of them have earned some rest. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe talk space for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So while May and Yo-Yo are doing their thing, the alarm goes off and Colson, Simmons and Daisy take the opportunity to lock uh, Daniel Souza up. Poor guy. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, poor guy. And they didn't even give him his walking stick. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little mean. Mm. But they gave him their love and admiration. (laughs) <laughs> that makes up for it. Yeah, yeah, that's going to make him walk straight. Yeah, Colson just still still can't help himself. I really am a fan. He he really is, we swear. Yeah. 
<laughs> We're the good guys, we promise. <laughs> so long story short, Yo-Yo and May are unable to defeat this Chronicom as she's trying to power up the project. It's Gemma who saves the day by setting off an EMP device that takes out all the electronics, which unfortunately includes poor Coulson. Yeah, and before we get to Coulson, the fact that Yo-Yo and May combined are not able to take out the Chronicom, where May in the previous episode was able to completely batter poor Enoch, goes to show they're not at their best. That's a very good point. Okay, that's another point for the PTSD theory. Yeah. Yeah, so they're both struggling, and I think... I saw an interview by Natalia Cordova, and she mentions that in the upcoming episodes, there is a lot more of Yo-Yo and May working together. Good. So, yeah, good. And I hope that they are addressing this. I think they need to get through it together. Yeah, I think this is something that they will come through together and get, get go through together and come out stronger. Yeah, and ladies, regardless of how you feel about it, you're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah that that's probably part of their journey together yeah yeah you're right yeah so colson goes down and w- we've got a little bit to unpack here so here's the thing we see colson go down the chronicom self-destructs and you know, Sousa comes in he's like well we're gonna need a medic for this guy mm. and he pushes him over and i feel bad about this but i couldn't help it when he pushes deactivated Coulson over he reminded me of Woody in Toy Story when he just like flops on the bed okay I know that's terrible I'm sorry Clark Mm. Greg I'm sorry um (laughs) but that's what I thought of so here we are we have to talk about this we all saw that eye flicker yep the fuck does that mean I have a theory you told me this yesterday you refused to tell me what it was so listeners I am hearing this one for the first time Ed, I think all my theories come out out of my ass while we're recording. So, <laughs> I mean, the whole May soul thing was pretty much right there and then. True, and we and that flopped out pretty badly. Yes, it did because people yeah. are people on Twitter are smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people are just like, nope, nope, nope. Here's one, two, and three. Why that does not work? I'm like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. But that's good, right? It People, is. We, yeah. It is. It's good. We're discussing and finding flaws. And I'm not saying my theories are perfect, obviously. I know because I'm taking, I'm literally just making it up as I go. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Okay. All right. Okay. So this, I think, has a higher chance of being true or right than my May soul thing. So when we see Colson's eye flickering... I don't know if you noticed this, but normally his eye is blue, right? He, yes. He has blue eyes. I did notice this, but yeah. Yeah. So his eye turned gray. They desaturated the color in his eye. Okay. And then immediately after the episode, we see the promo of the, the next episode and it's black and white. Wait a minute. Really? This is what you've got for me? Yeah. I've seen at least a dozen other people on Twitter with this same theory. This is all you've got. This is what you waited a day to tell me. What was the theory? You know what? You get your goddamn umbrella out. How about that? Okay, fine. Tell me what was the theory. That we're going to be getting next week's episode from Coulson's perspective. Yeah. And it's going to be in black and white because he's rebooted. Yeah, get your umbrella out. Okay. That's not news. Not news. You're all okay. news. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not disappointed. I don't care whose perspective next week's show is from. I just want to know what kind of hats Phil's going to be wearing. I think we saw a shot of him wearing a hat. Okay. That's where I'm at right now. Clark Gregg was born for film noir. (laughs) It's going to be fucking fantastic. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be fantastic. Okay. But there's one other thing we need to discuss here. And again, oh, you writers, we didn't see what happened to Gemma after that EMP went off. Yes. And this theory, as we mentioned last week, has been floating around that Maybe she's an LMD, yeah, yeah, and they I swear to God, they did it on purpose. And even in the promo, they didn't show her in the next episode. No, they did not. Mm. <sighs> Is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> You're killing me, people. Still have a bit to go. Killing yeah. me. 
Yeah, so next week is basically going to be spinning the wheel on Daniel Sousa's life. What do they do? Yeah, you know what? They better not fucking kill him. No. I'm not emotionally attached here. Uh, I know enough about the Agent Carter fandom to know that there would be massive outrage if they kill off Daniel Sousa. Yeah, you do not kill Daniel Sousa. You take away (laughs) Peggy Carter from her, fine, I can live with that because it's America's ass. But you cannot kill Daniel Sousa. Speaking of America's ass, happy birthday, Chris Evans, who turns 39 tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, happy birthday, America's ass. We all love you. Yes, we do. And your ass. <laughs> yeah, clearly. I'm all about that ass. Which is why stay tuned in a couple of months for our Captain America episode. Oh, yeah. There's a whole host of people over there that I need to talk about. <laughs> all right, Amy, you ready to read some tweets and comments? Yes, absolutely. Bring it on. All right. So uh, we asked some questions on uh, social media this week. So a few more than usual uh, that we've got going on this week. Yeah. A lot of, lot of good comments and good stuff coming in. Yeah, thanks to everybody for joining with us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Keep it coming. Yeah, totally. But please don't poke holes in my theories. Please. They're all she's got, people. Yeah. It's, a, it's the only thing keeping her going week to week. Yeah, it's been a long quarantine. <laughs> so the first question we asked was about BJ Britt, because I had theory that's been shot to hell that he might come back to play his own grandfather. So we asked if Asian Triplet were to become in would have survived terrogenesis and become inhuman, what would his power be? And on Instagram, I do hope I pronounce this correctly. If I do not, I apologize. Elmer Joe Kima said something with rocks, I guess. Still miss him. We do too, buddy. We do too. Yeah, we do too. Speaking of poking holes into my theories, Bora Vitristu, I apologize for messing that up, but she hasn't got all her memories. She said she fought Izel and then woke up in this thing. My guess is that her trauma is who killed her and saved her at the same time. We will see. By the way, by the way, they did exactly what was to be expected. Any other kind of remeet would have been a giant drop in quality. What Borav Tursu is talking about there is the reunion between Coulson and May. And I think they're 100% right because nothing could have lived up to everyone's expectations for a happy reunion. So they just completely took it out of the equation. Yeah, completely. I get that. Yeah, I think it was a great move on the part of the writers. Yeah, but I'm still a bit salty about the whole poking holes in my theory. <laughs> So we also asked everybody what their favorite yo-yo moment has been throughout the series. And at M Crooked Lettery said when she quicksilvered the room in episode 408, uh, the one sequence involved Robbie's uncle and the team. So that was an Eli Morrow moment. That was an awesome moment over there. Yep. I agree. And this month, if you've been on our social media, you've seen that we've been celebrating uh, Pride Month for 2020. So we put out some love for a popular fanship, which is Flint, a.k.a. Phil Coulson and Clint Barton. Yeah. And Felinda underscore AOS said, ah, my favorite ship other than Felinda. All right. It's too bad those two haven't gotten more screen time together, though. Yeah. I actually want to see more of them together. Well, never say never. The Hawkeye series. Also... I wonder how Clint would react when he realizes that uh, Phil was alive all this time. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, now this makes me wonder. This makes me wonder if we're going to see Clark Gregg show up on that show. Mm, Maybe. Possibilities. Flint fanfic writers. Could we maybe have a little something about that? (laughs) Uh, All right. So then let's get into the meat of it. We asked people for theories about Coulson's eye flickering there. And at Maybe Mander had an interesting idea. They said, I think it was like how the arc reactor sparked back to life when Pepper pushed the button in Iron Man. Phil's coming back online. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm totally on board and it doesn't poke holes into my theory. I like you, maybe, Manda. And then, at Iram Jaran says, will be the reference to next week's black and white episode. Yeah, so that's in line with your theory. Right there with you, buddy. And at Marvel Vulture also agreed, Coulson will be back online, but his eyes flickering, meaning that we're going to see his point of view of the timeline in Noir. That's just my theory. And we have one final comment from Instagram. Nikki TJE underscore XX says, I just looked deep in his eyes and saw a lot of fear. I I love how Coulson is a fanboy for like the whole episode. We do too. 
Yes. He's being a fanboy over there, and we're totally fangirling over him. Absolutely. Not ashamed. Yep. Lots of colds and love here. All right, so that about wraps it up for this episode. And here's what we want to know, people. Email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter or Instagram at marvelmadams. Do you think Daniel Sousa will survive next episode? I think he should survive, and he better survive. <laughs> Uh-oh, Amy's going to write some letters. Uh-huh. This is going to be difficult if he doesn't survive. <sighs> well, anyways, thank you, madams, for joining us today. I'm Madam Amy. And I'm Madam Chris. Assemble with us next week for episode four, Out of the Past. And while you're waiting for the next episode, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. We'll see you next week. Can we have one episode? Where you Tom don't... Holland. Uh, Holland, Tom Holland, you jackass! Oh my god, really? <laughs> Shit, <laughs> really? Oh, Tom Hiddleston suddenly fucking shrunk a foot or so. You know what? The minute you say Tom, I automatically fill out Hiddleston because you're oh always talking about it. Give me a little goddamn credit. <laughs>